Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Chapter 4. A big regret that I have about this day is that I did not speak at my mother's funeral. Actually, no one in my immediate family spoke. Go figure. To this day, it pains me that, for one, this happened, obviously, but also that I was not self-aware enough to comprehend what was going on or strong enough to stand up in front of all of our friends and family and say that she was one of the best moms she could be, that she wasn't perfect, but she tried to be her best, that every single person in that room was affected by her in a positive way. There wasn't a person that didn't come to her funeral because no one had a bad view of my mother. If I could go back in time and fix anything in my life, it would be this moment to have the strength and the courage to speak for my mother. My mother's funeral was only the second funeral I had ever been to since I was 10, and that was for someone I barely knew or could barely understand the concept of what was happening. But now I was 25, and I still fully wasn't aware. I didn't know how to grieve or what grieving even was. I went back to business as usual. I was back in the gym the same week, back to work, and back to going out with friends. Shortly after my mom passed away, my sister and I decided to join a church group, a group of older people who met outside the church once a week. I remember this day because it may have been the first day I showed emotion about the situation. We went the entire hour without saying a word. We started chatting with people after it was over, introducing ourselves and answering questions about why we were there. Insert breakdown. My sister and I both broke down emotionally, telling them that our mother had just committed suicide. The emotion I was feeling in that moment, honestly, was anger. I was angry at her for leaving four kids, for not saying goodbye, to giving up. How could you not be? Is this selfish? I don't know. But in those moments, I didn't know what to do and neither did anyone else. Was I mad at myself for not stopping it? Was I mad at my dad for letting her walk out of his sight? That question may never be answered. But I do know I carried around anger unconsciously for the years to come and especially in the coming months. What ended up being so sad about this situation was that just about a month later, my little brother and his girlfriend announced that they were expecting a child. My mother would have been a grandmother. I thought if she only held off, maybe this news would have saved her. Maybe it would have wanted her to be alive. A few more months later, my older brother got engaged to a woman my mom already considered a daughter and loved so much. The same thoughts were running through my head. If she only held off, maybe this news would have saved her. Maybe it would have made her want to be alive. Unfortunately for me, with all of this good news coming with my family, came only bad news in my marriage. The foundation we had so delicately built our lives on was crumbling. We started going to couples therapy to work on our issues. In my opinion, couples therapy should only be applied after doing individual therapy. Clearly, I had trauma in my life I needed to work on that may have made me a better partner to someone had I worked through it beforehand, and the same for him. How I knew this marriage was never going to work 
came from a discussion in one of these couple sessions. I brought up the topic of me losing my career job in oil and gas and me wanting to pursue entrepreneurship in my fitness business. We had been having arguments about this and he didn't seem to want to pick me up when I was down or support me in this endeavor. His words were, and I quote, I don't want to take care of her unless she has kids and a real job. Um, hi, husband. Isn't that what you agreed to for better or worse? Well, things were definitely worse and he didn't want to seem to make them better. This was clearly his emotional immaturity coming out and his childhood programming at play. He had seen his mom have and raise five kids all while going straight back to work full time. He had it in his mind that a woman equaled wife and mother, not a successful entrepreneur. This is when we really started to clash. In my mind, I was still young and I hadn't accomplished or even pursued very many things. He was nine years older and set. He was stuck in his ways and didn't seem to want any growth or change. I had always dreamed of moving to California. I mentioned this several times, almost throwing it in his face that since I married him, that that would never happen. I was starting to get more attention with my brand and business and being a fitness model and a woman of influence in the fitness space meant you have to be walking billboard, aka showing off more skin than usual. This is another area that started to become a thorn in our relationship. He would always claim I was just trying to get attention from other people or men by my posts on social media. If anyone knows me, they know, as my granny would say, I know her heart, and this was not what I was trying to do. I was putting myself out there to say, hey, I know what I'm doing. I work hard. Work with me. He never quite grasped that concept, but again, I was supposed to be in the kitchen with an apron on, popping out babies, so what do I know? We separated multiple times on and off in 2016. I lived with my dad for a while, just about half a mile down the road while we figured things out. I remember this being a freeing time in my life. I went out with friends, went on many vacations. I ran my business really well, and I was feeling independent and like I could control what I wanted to do, as opposed to always thinking about his needs or wants or what he would think if I did something. In the fall of October 2016, after I moved back in with my ex and we were working on things, I saw an opportunity. One of my best friends lived in San Diego at the time, and she was eight months pregnant with her son and her husband was deployed in the military. I drummed up this idea that I could go stay with her for a month so she wouldn't be alone if anything happened, still run my online business, and start to make connections. Clearly, this was a decision I wasn't going to get much of his input on. We were on the rocks, and I was clearly doing my own thing. That morning, I remember him not wanting me to go. I still remember the look on his face as I walked out the door with my bags and drove off early in the morning. While I was gone, I told and offered all of my in-person clients that if they still continued to want to train, they could train with my husband at the time. He was a previously a trainer and they all knew him because of me. Some declined and some took him up on the offer. I spent all of October 2016 trying to network as much as possible. I went to every popular gym I knew in California at the time. I visited my modeling agency any opportunity I got. I did photo shoots by the beach with a photographer I knew. I spent time with my friend, which I was so grateful for to be there with her. I worked my online business, and when I wasn't going between those two things, I was out by myself networking and meeting like-minded people. I even last minute randomly heard of a fitness convention going on in Long Beach, one of the last weekends I was going to be there, and I immediately jumped on it. 
It was two days filled with motivational speakers and fitness business advice. A cool thing from that was that I really connected with one of the speakers. Her name was Jill Coleman, and I resonated with her story so much. She had been a personal trainer doing the time for money grind until she went full-time online and being able to work wherever she wanted. This was my goal and what would go on to be my first big expander. I like to call people who I look up to. Expanders are people that allow you to see to believe what you want is possible. I ended up living in the same town as Jill Coleman years later in California and seeing her around town and still remain friends to this day. Another fun fact about this trip... Before I left for California, there was a personal trainer back in Oklahoma City who had done some bigger work in the bodybuilding space outside of the state. He told me I had to try to connect with this photographer while I was out there and that he had shot his friend that was a woman for a fitness shoot and he was the go-to guy in the fitness modeling space as far as magazine covers and opportunities. He was able to get me his name and contact information. Robert Reef was his name. The last couple of days I was in California, I drove to his studio to meet with him. He had no idea what I wanted, and honestly, I didn't know if I did either at the time. I was just willing to meet anyone and everyone to shake hands and put my face in their mind. We chatted about 15 minutes. I told him my goals and what I had currently done in my fitness career, although I still had a long way to go. I left that meeting with him pretty much telling me, just keep doing what you're doing and you will get there. And then I wasn't big enough yet for him to push me for any opportunity. That day, I told myself, one day I will live in California and I will work with this man. Fast forward to March of 2018. I had moved to California six months prior and hadn't had a paying modeling job yet. Then I got offered one to work alongside Sean Booth as his partner for his workout app, where we were to film workout video movements. I look over the information and the name I see under producer is Robert Reef. My first job living in California was with the same man I said I would work with someday living in California. I ended up getting back to Oklahoma just in time for my ex's fitness competition. Funny, seeing as how when I was doing mine, he really wanted nothing to do with it. And lo and behold, he does prep while I'm gone and does a show of his own. Funny how that works, right? He was training some of my girlfriends while I was away, and so they came to support him in his show. When I got back and told my clients we could pick things back up, a couple of them stated they wanted to continue working with him and not me. Seeing as how I wanted to do more anyway, I let him take them because they wanted to work out later in the evening, and I was okay with not having to go back up there so late. Things became weird whenever he would be gone for like three hours for a one-hour training session. He would say, oh, they just wanted to talk a bit afterward. We were still on the rocks after my month-long hiatus, and I needed to know where we stood and if we were going to continue to work on things. But in the evenings, he would be gone, never giving us a full chance to talk at all. I was really struggling mentally with the loss of my mother still, not having grieved, being pulled in two directions of really wanting to move to California, but being stuck in my marriage in Oklahoma. I was going to counseling every week, but it was mostly about what I wanted to do about my marriage. See, at this point in my life, I was very concerned with what people thought of me. My image, not wanting to fail, always looking like I had it together, just like the programming my mother had instilled in me all my life. I spent months in counseling telling my therapist I didn't know if this marriage would last, 
but I was terrified of what people would think of me if it didn't. I couldn't even talk about and unpack feelings of my mother's suicide because I was so paralyzed by the notion of thinking I could possibly be getting a divorce. The big D. A stamp of failure on my resume to only prove that I was just that. A failure. I would cry every session about this. That I wasn't happy in my marriage, but that I also wasn't happy about the judgment I so thought I would receive by calling it off. In December of 2016, I moved out yet again and lived with friends. That year was one of the worst holidays I had. None of my siblings were in town and my dad was still in his awkward, silent phase where if you went to his house, he would be sitting in the living room in silence or he would be in bed. I went by for Christmas that year and I lasted a whole 20 minutes because the energy in the room was unbearable and somber. Weeks later, my ex and I started hanging out again and I would stay over there some nights. It's a weird feeling being married but having to pack a bag to go stay at the house you once shared together. Things seemed to be going okay when all of a sudden one day they weren't. Again, my memory is very blurry from the trauma and depression, but all I remember is that we were joking around doing something and I was in the process of getting ready to go somewhere. So I was putting on my makeup and doing my hair. We were chasing each other around the house and I think I locked him out or something. Well, somehow I ended up on the outside of the house and he locked me out and he would not let me back in the house. At first, I was laughing, and then I started to just get really angry. Once he finally let me back in, I was just furious, and I don't remember where I was going, but I must have gone and came back because that same night we sat down, and I apologized for earlier and that it got out of hand. This man, this grown-ass man, didn't even have the decency to say sorry at all. He was not sorry, and he was not remorseful. I asked him for an apology, and he was like, for what? Now, I know this may sound silly, and I can't exactly remember the exact reason I wanted him to apologize, but this must have triggered something in me in some way and brought up unchanged behavior on his part because I flipped out. I was screaming and yelling at him. I was having a full-on panic attack, and I ended up throwing a cereal bowl and breaking it. His eyes were just wide-eyed staring at me like, what are you doing? Who are you? And what was really sad is I didn't know. I didn't know at all who I was, not just in that current moment, but who I had become. I was emotionally breaking down and it all came to a head that night. I grabbed my dog and I left the house and just started driving. It was raining, of course, but I needed to cry, breathe, and calm down. I stayed out for a while and then went back. That night would eventually be the end. I cried and cried and cried in the guest bedroom for hours, and not one time did he come in to console me. He didn't ask what was wrong. He didn't want to know. He showed no sympathy. To this day, that silly little fight and the simple fact that he couldn't just apologize would forever change the course of my life. But again, it wasn't just that night. That painful night of crying myself to sleep as my husband sleeps in the other room without a care in the world. It was all the moments leading up to that moment that steered us on the path that I would eventually have to merge off of. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.